Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. During the Civil War, during the Second Battle of Bull Run, General Stonewall Jackson, in the midst of the battle, that night wrote this letter to his church. Dear Pastor, I remember that next Sabbath is the day upon which the collection is taken for foreign missions. Enclosed, find my check. And even though the battle raged around Stonewall Jackson, he remembered the bigger battle for human souls. Today we're going to talk about giving. There's lots of things that battle for our dollars. The Apostle Paul is going to tell us now how Christians should give. Would you take out your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul about 55 AD is writing these words to the Christians at Corinth, a city in Greece, about how to give. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let's pray first. Father, we want to pray that if there's anyone watching this program that is not yet a healthy, generous giver to your kingdom, that somehow you'll speak to their hearts. And Lord, those that are givers, Lord, increase our joy and faith in you to give even more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes to the Corinthians, starting at verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Here's the first lesson. You get what you give, according to that. Now, I served a, a Lutheran, one Lutheran church for 29 years, and it's a good church. It still is. It's very biblical. And I remember asking our financial lady, I said, guesstimate for me. How many people at our church do you think tithe, give 10% of their money to the Lord? And she said, I would guess that less than 20% tithe. And that troubled me. <laughs> Because you know where I think the, the rubber meets the road? How can you tell if God is important to someone? You look at their checkbook. And there's, if there's no evidence of God in their checkbook, does God really have their heart? You know, I want to urge you, if you're not doing this yet, I want to urge you, tithe. Take 10% of your money and give it to the Lord. I mean, we live in about the most wealthy nation on earth. If American Christians can't tithe, nobody can. But there are dirt poor Christians in Africa who are tithing. So if you don't tithe, I want you to just step out in faith and just start doing it as a habit. Give God 10% of your money every week. Because according to this verse, when you do that bountifully, you get back a lot. If you don't do it, you lose a lot. Many years ago, Princess Eugenie was of the royal family of Sweden. Christian woman, she sold her diamonds to build a hospital for dying people. 
One day she went and she visited a certain woman in her hospital. And she said as she left to the attendant, she, she said, you know, that's not a Christian woman. Take special care of her. I would love to see her come to Christ. And then the princess went back and visited this woman. The woman was, was dying, but kind of aglow because she had accepted Christ. And the story goes that the princess went back to the palace and said to her husband that day, Today, I saw the glitter of my diamonds. <laughs> the first reason to give is because you get back and more. Look at verse 7. Each one must give. Let's stop there. Next lesson on giving, each one must give. Notice the Apostle Paul does not say the rich people should give. He says each one must give, including poor people. Sometimes the poor people in your church are the best givers. <laughs> so um, I believe if you don't give to the Lord, you're sinning. And your sin is one of two. You're either greedy or you have unbelief. Look at the next part of verse 7. Each one must give as he has made up his mind. Here's the next way to give. It's up to you what you give. You make up your own mind. This is your decision. I mean, I, I have, at the churches that I have served, I have never looked at the books to see who's giving big and who's giving nothing. That's not my business. It's up to you to, to decide what you give. And you can say, well, that's true, Pastor Brock. And if I don't feel like giving, it's up to me, then I don't have to give, do I? And the answer is, no, you don't have to give. You don't have to pray. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to follow Jesus. It's all up to you. But on the last day, you'll be called to give an account for every one of those things on Judgment Day. And what are you going to say on Judgment Day if God says to you, I gave you everything that you owned, and you gave me back $5 a week in the church plate? You can't get into a movie for $5. I gave you everything. Souls are being lost, and you gave me $5 a week. <laughs> yes, it is up to you. You decide how much you give, but you will give an account on the last day. Look at verse 7. Each one must give as he has made up his own mind, not reluctantly. Next way to give, don't give reluctantly. Well, the pastor says, I've got to tithe. And okay, I'll tithe. Don't ask me to like it. Well, then don't give. God is big. He doesn't need your money. Christian missions will continue if you don't give money. But what, what I'm trying to teach you here is you're robbing yourself if you don't give. Because there's these things coming up called eternal rewards. You don't want to miss out on that because you can't bring yourself to give. Look at verse 7. It says, do not give reluctantly or under compulsion, which also could be translated of necessity. Here's the next way not to give. Don't give because you have to. I don't know of any churches that do this anymore, thanks be to God, but years ago there used to be churches. At the end of the year, they would post in the church lobby for everybody to see your name and how much money you gave to the church that year. Whoa, this verse says, don't give of necessity. Don't give because if people find out what a cheapskate you are if you don't. No, no, you, this is between you and God. Verse 7, 
For God loves a cheerful giver. Next lesson on giving, give cheerfully. Enjoy it when you give. Now, I, I, I'm kind of cheap. I love going to garage sales. I love getting a sport coat for $5 that somebody else paid $200 for. I love garage sales. When people call me cheap, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> to me, this, this is fun, you know. Because I'm cheap, when I write a check to a Christian mission, especially a big one, that kind of hurts, but it still feels good because when I give a big check somewhere, I know God will use it for his glory. He'll probably use it for the salvation of souls. He'll use it to eliminate, alleviate suffering. And in the midst of my minor pain, and you, you know the other thing that makes me feel good about giving? <laughs> I'm cheap. For me to write a big check and send it somewhere, that says to me, I must really believe all this God stuff. Because <laughs> believe me, I wouldn't be doing that if I didn't. So it also confirms in you that you must believe in the Christian gospel. So give cheerfully because it'll save souls, it'll glorify God, and it'll show you, you mean all this. Look at verse 8. And God is able. Let's stop there. Wherever you are watching the show, would you out loud say three words? God is able. Would you say that with me? God is able. Do you know why people don't tithe? Why, they, why they're uh, not generous givers? They don't believe God is able. I mean, if I tithe, who's going to pay all my bills? If I don't save up this big nest egg for retirement, who's going to take care of me when I'm old? And the answer to all those questions is, God is able. I want you to check out all the alls in verse 8. Look at verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things and at all times, you may be abounding in every good work. The point is, God is big. He's able. So would you write a check? Would you give to church every week? Would you be generous? God is able. He'll catch you. George Mueller was a preacher in England back in the 1800s. He took care of 2,000 orphans. But it was amazing the way money came in for that man. And here's what he wrote in his diary. November 2nd, at the time of our great poverty, one pound was sent by a lady from Birmingham. About half an hour later, I received 10 pounds from a Christian brother who had saved up 150 pounds. He put it into a savings bank, but he now sees that to devote this money to the work of the God glorifies the name of Jesus more than it is to keep it in the bank in case of old age or sickness. If such time comes, the same Lord who cared for him in health and strength will take care for, of him then. In other words, this new person knew God is able. I'm going to give some of this to the Lord and just trust him to take care of me. Verse 9. As it is written, and now Paul is going to quote the Old Testament, Psalm 112. And the he here is not a reference to God, but to the generous person. So here we go. Verse 9, he, the generous person, has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his, per, this person's righteousness endures forever. Here's the next lesson. Give to the poor. You want to know how you can give right to God? Psalm 19, he, Proverbs 19, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for his deed. So everybody, give to the poor. Now, does that mean 
every time I see somebody at a stoplight with a cardboard sign saying, you know, I want money or whatever, do I have to give to that? Or if, I, if somebody comes up with alcohol in his breath and they want money, do I have to give to them? I don't think that means that. Because it doesn't say how to give to the poor in that verse. It just says you've got to do it. So one way I like to do it is I'll send a check to Samaritan's Purse, which is a Christian relief agency. And as they feed starving people, they're also giving them the gospel of Christ. So it's up to you how you do it, but find some way to give to the poor. Look at verse 10. He, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which through us, the apostles, will produce thanksgiving to God. Here's the next reason to give. Your giving will cause others to praise God. Let me explain what's going on in this verse. The Apostle Paul is, is getting a collection, an offering from the Gentile non-Jewish churches to take to Jerusalem so they can feed the starving Christian Jews in Jerusalem because there's a famine going on. And he's saying, you know, there, there, there are Jewish Christians in Jerusalem that have real troubles believing non-Jews, Gentiles, can be saved. When they see your generous offering, they're going to have to admit the Lord Jesus is certainly among you. <laughs> so one reason to give is it'll cause other people to praise God. Next lesson is verse 13. By their approval, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem approval of this service you're giving, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Next reason to give, giving shows you truly confess Christ. Here's a housekeeper, Christian woman. Uh, her relatives don't have much to do with her. They think she's too religious. When she dies, they do show up for her funeral wanting her, her possessions. And they go through her trunk, hoping to find money or something. They found a little book. And on the left-hand page, it gave how much she made that month. On the right-hand page, it said things like, for the worker in China, $50. For the woman in India, $50. For the uh, Christians in Sudan, $300. She didn't need an executor to her will. She had spent it right up to, to her end. May you and I present God with such a book someday. When you give, you are showing people your commitment to Christ. Look at verse 14. While they, these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, long for you and pray for you. Another reason to give? Give so people will pray for you. Robert Arlington was a wealthy man living in England years ago. People knew he was wealthy, but he lived in a small cottage. And I, I'm guessing people thought, is he a miser? Was he got gold under the floorboards? What's he doing with all his money? After he died, they go into his home. They didn't find gold or anything. They found a letter. Dear Dr. Arlington, we have heard you are ill. We are praying for you. But we want you to know how much we appreciate that month after month you have sent us your wealth so we could preach the gospel in the Belgian Congo. Signed, your missionaries. 
One reason to, to give and, is to get people praying for you. Look at verse 14. While they, the Jewish Christians, long for you, pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Here's the next lesson. It takes grace to give. I mean, I can preach for half an hour for you to tithe, but if the grace of God doesn't hit you, I'm preaching to the air. <laughs> it takes grace to get God, it takes God's intervention and grace to get us greedy humans to start joyfully, generously giving to the, to the kingdom. Um, if you are of the opinion, you know you should be giving and you just can't bring yourself to do it, you know what you should do? Pray for grace. Just start regularly praying, God, help me trust you're a big God. You do love me. You'll take care of me, especially if I give to you. You'll take care of me. God, give me the grace to start giving. Verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now the question is, what does that verse mean? I always thought it meant... Thank you for God the, for the inexpressible gift that we're able to give to other people and help them. I don't think that's what it means anymore because almost every commentator I checked said, no, no, in this verse, Paul is talking about the inexpressible gift, Jesus. So here's the last lesson. We are moved to give because of Jesus. I mean, I've given you in the last... 20 minutes, a lot of reasons to give because you get back, because it causes other people to pray for you, because it glorifies the Lord. The reason we give is when you think of how Jesus suffered and died to get our eternal souls out of hell so we could be forgiven and to go to glory for eternity, that's what, that's what moves people to give. Bishop Whipple, many years ago, I believe he was an English bishop, was visiting a mission in India. And this very poor Indian convert went up and gave him $2 and said, I want to give this to Jesus. And the bishop said, is this all the money you have in the world? And he said, yes. And the pastor was overhearing this. And before the bishop could say that's too much, the pastor said, Bishop Whipple, perhaps it's too much for a white man who has known of Jesus his whole life but not for this Indian man who for the first time this year heard of the love of Jesus. Here in the United States, there was an Indian chief who converted to Christ years ago. He comes and he gives a large donation to the mission and the missionary says, that's too much. And, and the Indian chief said to the missionary, ah, you have never been in the darkness, have you? The reason we give is I was in the darkness, I have sinned against God, I deserve eternal hell, and I have a Savior who came and paid for my sins on the cross, washed me clean through his blood, I'm forgiven of my sins because of him, I'm going to heaven for eternity, that's the reason we give. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. Pastor Brock, I'd like to go a little further about tithing. Isn't tithing originally from the Old Testament? Yes. Okay. Well, and Jackie, <clears throat> there used to be a person at our church, Pastor Brock, 
Tithing is an Old Testament concept. Christians are not bound to the Old Testament. And he thought I was being legalistic. And I said to him, okay, is there a specific New Testament verse that says Christians have to tithe? Well, actually, the New Testament principle is give at, um, as the Lord has prospered you, give. But I said to him, if the Old Testament Jew who knew this much about the love of God was to be moved to tithe, do you think the New Testament Christian who knows this much about the love of God, do you think will be moved to give more or less than the Old Testament Jew? And Jackie, I had him. <laughs> I mean, you know, if the Jews are supposed to give 10%, and we know so much more now since the cross of the love of God, shouldn't we give more than the Jews? I so then we're obligated to tithe? I think we are. Okay. That's my opinion. All right. I mean, I'm not saying you're sinning if you're not tithing, but I think you are. Should a person tithe off of their gross income mm -hmm. or their net income? And Jackie, which is, I, I never know, is gross what, before taxes? Mm -hmm. My opinion, because we're in America, tithe off your gross. And I'll say this, Jackie, there's tithes and offerings. Offerings are what you give above and beyond your tithe. American Christians can do more than tithe. We should, almost everybody watching this show should not be just giving 10%. We should also be giving offerings. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that kind of is what I was going to ask is, should you tithe to the church or pick the other missions? Well, I'll tell you what I do. Because your church is where you're being spiritually fed, I think you're, you're obligated to support that church because of all their functions and everything and pay for the heating and the lighting. So I give my 10% to my church, my local church, but my offerings above the 10% I give to, you know, Samaritan's Purse or International Christian Concern working for the persecuted. I give that wherever I want. So I guess, Tom, is it, is it wrong to save up for like your old age? Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, I don't think it's wrong. You know, in fact, I think a parable or two of Jesus talks about the wise man, you know, saving and stuff, if I remember right. But you don't do it like the, 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 the parable of the rich fool where he puts all of his money or his stuff in his barns and, and Jesus says to him, you fool, God requires your soul tonight. So I think it's okay to, to, to um, prepare for your old age, but not at the expense of being a generous giver. And if you're hoarding, you're sinning. Okay. The same person also has another part to that. Is it okay if they leave their money, to leave God their money in their will? Uh-huh. Not while they're alive? I think that shows zilch faith. Okay, God, I'm going to leave you lots of money, but you'll get it after I die. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, doesn't she believe while she's alive, God will take care of her? I, I will say, though, and God bless some 103-year-old lady that just left us money in her will, so now we're able to be on more TV stations. So it's, and, and this lady, I didn't know her personally, but she gave, she gave to this ministry long before she died. <laughs> so do both. Why not? Okay. So what are some groups that we should be giving mm -hmm. money to that we seem yep. to... Yep. Leave? I would give money to your church. Your 10% goes to your church. That's my opinion. I, I would give to groups like the International Christians Concern, um, Samaritan's Purse, uh, any, you know, find out who your missionaries are. There are lots of great Christian missionaries all over the world. Give to uh, the Voice of the Martyrs is another good group to give to. So there's all kinds of good Christian missionaries. Jesus said to give to whoever asks of you. Mm -hmm. So 
aren't we obligated then to like give to beggars? And mm -hmm. you talked about beggars. And, and here's what St. Augustine said, writing about 400. Jesus said, give to whoever asks of you. But notice, he doesn't say give whatever is asked of you. We may give him a kind rebuke, or we may give him a meal, or something else. But Jackie, if you're, when your kids were teenagers, if they came up and said, Mom, we want some money so we can go buy some cocaine, of course you'd say no. And when Jesus says, give to whoever asks of you, well, what you'd do, you'd give that child a kind rebuke. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So how does a person know when and how much they should give? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I, what I do, I, I regularly give my tithe to my church. But where it comes down to, okay, above and beyond my tithe, when do I give, where, and how much? And all I can tell you is you just pray about it. And then when the Lord really seems to put it upon your heart to give to one of these groups, you, you write them a check or you call them and give them your credit card, and, and that's what I do, yeah. You know, Tom, you hear these preachers on TV sometimes that say, you know, if you send me money, I'm going to uh, give you a miracle. Yeah. And that. What do you do about those uh -huh. type of people? I would never give them a penny, Jackie. And it grieves me that so many preachers on TV, they'll do it, they'll do it rather subtly. You know, if you sow a seed into this ministry, you're going to reap your miracle. And... I do believe that when we give, God does give back to us. That was the first point of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But it's, when you see miracle spring water, I'll, you know, I prayed over this hanky, and we'll send you the hanky if you give us, eh, eh, Jackie. Yeah. So there's falsehood in the church. There is. That I mean, there, can be Jackie, very I, detrimental. <laughs> I, I, on Saturday night is when I pray for the church, and, and I also pray for Christian ministries. There's, I won't tell you their names, there's about three Christian ministries, I pray God will take off the air, because it's money, money, money. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> one last question for you. Yeah. Is it harder to get into heaven if you are rich? Jesus said that, uh, you know, the rich go with difficulty into heaven, and the disciples are ma amazed because they thought the rich people were the people blessed by God. If they're not getting in, we're not getting in. And Jesus said it is impossible with men, but it's not impossible with God. So, yeah, you can be rich and go to heaven, um, but you can't worship riches and go to heaven. Okay, so it's part of worshiping it's that your heart. takes it yeah. away. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been with you now for 25 years, yeah. and which is hard to believe. <laughs> um, but we want to thank you for your continued prayers and support of this ministry, everything that you do for us. And you're seeing on our screen right now our website. We invite you to go there, and you'll learn all kinds of other things. Well, that's a good ministry yours. to financially support, Jackie, right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for being with us. God bless you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.